0: Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight.
1: And hello to you once again to the official Camber Raiders podcast. This is Behind the Limelight and I'm Raider Nick and once again joined by the uh, Camber Raiders Media Manager, Mr Ben Pollock. Benny, how are you?
2: G'day mates, it's uh, good to be talking to you after a win oh. and, and what a win it was on Thursday night. Um, backs to the wall, the guys came out. Uh, magnificent effort in defence and commitment to each other in the jersey and it was um, a tremendous result for the club. Food tastes better,
1: the air's just clearer after the win, you know, basking that afterglow of a good win and what a win it was as you mentioned Uh, and of course the coach came out and said, you know, he's been involved in the club for 30 years and that was one of the most courageous efforts in a green jumper that he's seen.
2: That's right, we had um, plenty of adversity during the game, Uh, Luke Bateman Uh, went down with a HIA early in the contest, uh, which saw him leave the field for a period of time, and he was able to come back fortunately, Uh, but we lost Sam Williams um, to a knee injury, and then we had three separate other HIAs during the game, including Adehingana who was on the field for not even two minutes before he had to come from the field again, so for the guys to rally uh, for, I think it was almost 25 minutes with one guy on the bench uh, was a tremendous effort, and we saw um, a lot of players step up to the mark, particularly Aiden Caesar, who yes. was um, who was probably the best performance he's put in in a green jersey. He was fantastic. His kicking game was on song. The way he controlled and got the team around the park was excellent. And I thought Saliva Havili playing 78 minutes uh, for the first time as well was was a really good addition to the team as well.
1: I thought Don louis played his best game for the Raiders as well, and as you mentioned, it was a -a HIA-a-thon. We'll touch on that game uh, in a little more detail in a sec. We'll preview uh, the game, the round six match against the the Eels, Uh, of course another home game. The boys are off today, so we're going to catch up with uh, the strength and conditioning coach, uh, Mr Nigel Ashley-Jones. Also a special little segment, uh, CEO of the NRL, Todd Greenberg, came in last week, and you caught up with him.
2: Yeah, I did. Had a good chat with Todd um, about the direction where he sees the Raiders and how they fit into the NRL structure, and we'll... We'll listen to that a little bit later on
1: Great and a very special Forever Green uh, We catch up with Toots Croker Senior He's uh, the most cab camper Raiders First grade players. so sit back and relax I hope you're comfortable wherever you're listening Come join us as we go behind the limelight
0: Tonight was about what work we've put in Over the last uh, number of years The adversity that we're under at half time When we had three HIAs that weren't going to come back onto the field and they're a winger or a halfback and a um, hooker I asked them for extra effort. Amazing how they got through that period of 40 minutes and we still played footy. Well, what I can remember, one of the toughest wins that I've ever been involved in with the green jumper. Well,
1: there it is, Cam Raiders coach, Ricky Stewart. Uh, The adversity that they faced during the week, of course, a lot of the Sydney media... You know, there was a few back pages there a couple of weeks and probably not in the most positive light f- for a club to be in. To have all that adversity, to have some injuries as well, guys playing out of position. Um, and then the on-field injuries, as you mentioned, it was a hia a and then to finish the game with one with a one-man bench in the last 10 minutes, it was actually a zero-man bench.
2: That's right, and don't forget we lost uh, Jack White and the, the day of, of the game as well yeah. because his partner gave birth uh, to their second child, a uh, little girl. Um, so you know, Araya, I believe the name is. they have settled on the name, um, but yeah, they've just um, they had to change things at the last minute with Nick Cotric going to fullback as well. Michael Oldfield came in and was taken off the field for, with an yeah. HIA. So yeah, like plenty of adversity um, and and some good signs there, particularly in defence, which I think. Um, people who watch the game were most pleased with.
1: The thing is, as well, the Bulldogs, they aren't no boring peanut butter sandwich. They had uh, the international props there with Woods and Clemmer, you know, the Morris twins in there, blokes like Hopawade, they're all. <laughs> they're all great rugby league yeah. and are all players so it was a great effort and um, you know, and the great thing about that is for the fans that stuck by them for the first four weeks you know, that's, that's as much as the teams win and the fans that can
3: celebrate as exactly well. Exactly
2: right 11,800 people turned up on a Thursday night with the team not winning a game in the first four weeks, that shows the, the great support that this club has and I'm expecting and hoping to see a bigger crowd uh, this Sunday when they take on the, uh, Saturday sorry, when they take on the Eels.
1: I think so Benny look there's a bit of an elephant in the room, let's just uh, touch it slightly, let's, let's feed it slightly the whole stuff with Jackie White and we're all concerned as Raiders men as Raiders fans is he okay and what's going on there
2: yeah Jack's um mental state first and foremost is is pretty good at the moment um obviously he's got a lot going on in his life with this um court proceedings but also as I mentioned he's got um, a new bub at home um the second child so you know obviously there's a lot going on in his life at the moment but um you know uh Based on uh, the court appearance this week, um, the matter's been adjourned until the 10th of July, so uh, we can't really discuss uh, much around that until uh, he next appears in court because there's a a court process and proceedings that have to happen in that time. So the club has made the decision um, and have worked with the NRL Integrity Unit and they have decided to allow Jack to continue to play and train uh, until this matter has been dealt with by the court. So um, he'll continue to to be part of the squad um, until at least that July 10 date um, before it goes back to court, and uh, I suppose the legal proceedings take place. That's
1: well, good to hear. The fact that he's still around the boys, still around his mates, still having a purpose to get up in the morning and coming to work, coming to yeah, you know, I mean, the
2: he's, he's under no illusion the seriousness of what he faces. He understands that um, you know this is obviously um, going to attract a lot of attention. Um, but he felt um, for his um, his best mental health, and uh, he would rather you know be around the club and, and be playing football. So uh, there's been some really honest and open discussions from from all parties, and we 're hoping that um, uh, we 'll see what i suppose what happens uh, when he heads back to court,
1: moving forward round six. A win. We're one and five. Uh, big match up against Parramatta. They're in a similar boat that we've been. They're none and five. Desperate. They've got a, a couple of their players returning back into that five. we'll go through the side quickly to take on the yields Benny, uh, the that, that fullback is Jack Whiten. On one wing is Nick Cottridge. The centres Jared Croker and Joey Lalua. Jordan Rapana on the other wing. Blake Austin returns back into six after Sammy Williams. Uh, he's probably out for six to eight weeks.
2: Uh, four to six weeks for Sammy weeks. Yeah, he's been uh, picked up a medial ligament strain, so uh, he'll partner Aidan Caesar in the half. As we mentioned, uh, was fantastic last weekend.
1: Great, and the forward pack again, Cia Soliola, playing out of his skin at the moment. Uh, he's here in the front row with Havili. Junior Paulo again will start Tarpani and Whitehead. While the back rowers in the lock forward is Luke Bateman, and the bench, Adahan Garner, he's okay, he's cleared uh, during the week with that head knock.
2: Yep, he has been, so he'll take his place in, uh, in the side this weekend. Uh, alongside Shannon Boyd, uh, Josh Papali will come back after a week. I think he played 80 minutes with Mounties last weekend, and Dunamis Louis round out the 17.
1: Great. Like I said earlier, I think Namas Louie, he played his best game for the club. He was outstanding. If he can keep delivering that service to the club, he will um, go a long way.
2: Yeah, he's been wonderful for us, Nami. Um, obviously returning from a serious knee injury, so it's taken him a few weeks to find his feet. But uh, his go forward in that Bulldogs game was outstanding. Uh, as you mentioned, probably his best game for the club.
1: I mean, it is important, too, the boys don't fall into a bit of a false sense of security. I'm sure Ricky won't let them do that because this Parramatta side, they're going to be fired up. They're desperate for their first week.
2: Look, it's going to be a huge game down there on Saturday. Thanks to Matchday sponsor, VB. Uh, there's going to be plenty happening at the ground, and Parramatta come here uh, with a point to prove. As you mentioned, uh, they're under the pump. Um, they haven't won a game yet. They've got a couple of players, Bevan French, and also um, Clint Gutherson returning to the team to, to bolster them in the outside backs. And they'll miss Nathan Brown, who's been ruled out with an ankle injury. Um, but they've got some quality right across the park, and a couple of big names still not able to force their way into the side for them. So uh, they're going to come here with a real, um, a real will to win, and we need to be expecting that.
1: As mentioned, uh, the players got the day off today, so we've got a very special guest, head uh, of physical performance, Mr. Nigel Ashley Jones. How you
3: going, Nigel? Like good, yeah. What about that title? I mean, it's always good after a win, but poor after a loss. <laughs>
1: What's in your What's in your contract, mate?
3: Funny, the title actually has changed probably every ten years of my career. You know, we've gone from, you know, there's been strength coach, strength and conditioning, and then and then it went to, and I suppose now everyone's a performance coach. So it's probably still the same role, although obviously personally mine sort of, diversed through the years into more of a you know you've now got staff and management and sort of medical and uh, strength and conditioning kind of all at one now
2: You guys are looking, you know you oversee the whole of our performance program and when I talk about performance I talk about um, obviously uh, the training side of things, uh, the the fitness uh, the weights room Uh, as you mentioned you're liaising with medical staff, physios, doctors all that type of stuff Uh, you know how encompassing is that job you know in terms of how much you have to oversee in uh, one season particularly when you've got 30 odd players in in an NRL squad uh, to deal with?
3: Yeah it's a good question as complex as that is Ben it's pretty much we're responsible or under our hat is two things, one is taking the player as an individual to their optimum and second is obviously reducing our our risky injuries or, or pretty much reducing injuries, reducing injuries and maximising individual performance.
2: Well, that's the thing. To, to win the NRL competition, you have to have your best players on the park and available and I suppose that's the key role for you guys and, and I suppose that's what you're judged on.
3: It is, you know, because we've got to have availability and without availability, especially, you know, you look at probably last year with our roster, it was under, the, under pressure and, you know, with the success we had in 2016 and so our depth was, was reduced so it was even more... I guess stressful and I've probably lost a few more hundred follicles of hair but you know that's what we get paid to do
1: when you talk about NIH. Knowledge- the process of it all. We, we want to play this brand of football. We want to have this is our strength. This, the power game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And is it go to you after that as a template? Convert everyone accordingly. Is that how it works in a nutshell?
3: Yeah, it is. It's a it's a good and uh, good point. And when Ricky Stewart signed to the club and, and w- what it was, he wants to play a he wants very fit players, but he also liked a very big middle unit. So that's a challenge in itself. Um, but again, yeah, to literally just say yes, big tick for that question. So it's it's the, the coach's philosophy we have to in, implement into our training. Yeah, but again, that sort of ties in with our windy reduction. So your philosophies are sort of hand in hand.
1: So you basically got to be thinking like Ricky. The whole absolutely, story. absolutely. You're going to have a, a, a brain chip of him in your head.
3: It's probably going. We're you
1: know, obviously That's probably why you're losing some hair though.
3: <laughs> yeah, Sometimes going back, but anyway, we won the other day. Look, it's it's we are. I'm almost Ricky's secretary. Yeah, you know he's right. He's got assistant coaches, and they've got their own remits, whether it's defense and offense. But pretty much his philosophy is on how we look and train and and how we, you know, play the game of football physically is is down to Ricky through me.
2: Uh, I suppose one of the big challenges that you faced this year, and it was, um, you know, talked about in the media and the press in the lead into the pre-season, was uh, a few of the guys come back uh, a little bit underdone. Um, Obviously... As a, the head of performance, that would have been firstly a disappointing thing for you to find, and, and how did you address that? Uh, and how have they responded uh, since that since that time?
3: I'll try and keep the uh, the answer to that question brief. But you know, one of the, one of the hardest parts of of of, of our f- career is is literally dealing with the scoreboard, and that's what everybody is judged on. That's whether the fans like you or or dislike you. So it's really hard to argue sometimes, but. We, we, we faced a lot of challenges this year in regards to the World Cup and don't get me wrong, every club did that but the Canberra had probably, you know, similar to the Warriors, most representation in the World Cup. And, you know, as it is public, you know, Josh Papali, Junior Paulo, BJ Lalua, Havili we signed of late when Josh got hurt, Josh Hodson getting hurt in the World Cup. So straight away we had a bit of a debacle of a situation. And again, I don't want this to come across like an excuse because what's happened since then is it's actually, I'm missing my 25th year of coaching now. I started with Pete Molholland back in the old days in, in the Western West. Wow. And so it's a big call. But the benchmarks that our boys have made, including the big boys, have been incredible. So I guess the cranky bit from us came because of the the criticism that everybody was getting, mm. yet because we had such a wonderful statistical pre-season and they worked so hard you know and then they were getting bagged so but that's that's the game it's very subjective you know but whereas we we, we, we rely our lives are all about objective numbers stats
1: yeah so do you think it's like that across the board I've spoken to NRL players at other clubs and I won't look. I'll mention some clubs. I'll say you go to the Broncos, yep. and it's all about you're just a lab number. You're this weight, you're that weight. You got to be this weight, and then you go to clubs uh, Manly, whether it's still the case. Players are coming in from the Broncos to Manly, saying, "Okay, what well, weight do you want me to be?" They're like, "Weight, like whatever you want to be." You know, it's not about weight here. You know,
3: yeah, very important. We, we pretty much are very strong in our standards. You know, the, I don't like the word culture, but we spent a lot of time over the years, and by being in a, in a program for so long your culture's pretty much set in stone. So we have, we know everything about it, all our players. So standards are massive. And yeah, body weights, body fats, you know, their, their physical capacities are really monitored and really pumped into them. So, we're probably a, um, a numbers club, if we probably to go off what you said.
1: There's also that thing about the tracking of how people's body is going. And they're talking about in the modern era where you bring in a young bloke that can't take the, the week-to-week hits of NRL, so you got to drop him back for a few weeks. Mm-hmm.
3: But the computer tells you that. It does, but again, still it's not more than 50% science. And we're pretty strong on that. You know, Probably my age and obviously Ricky Stewart keeps the handbrake on the science from getting away from us. so you've got it, and and regardless of whether it's Ricky or myself there's still the technology's there but still not good enough it's not artificial intelligence there's still a shed full of art I mean you look at St George apparently St George are the fittest team ever to play any sport in the history of the world but the other night against South they look gassed you know there's so much that goes into a win or a loss And that's still the exciting thing. That's still what gets me out of bed because of the art.
2: Yeah, We spoke to him on this podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, I referred to Josh Hodgson. Obviously, he's one of those guys that's returning from serious injury and he's busting to get out into the field. I'm sure the fans want to get him out into the field. For you, how do you approach his return from injury and and, um, what sort of cautions and precautions do you have to take um, to ensure that when he does come back, it's at the right time?
3: We've got a wonderful medical team here, obviously, with Doc. Dot Whiting and our our two physios, Conrad and Isaac, and Ricky's probably got to get the biggest rap there to the question because Ricky gets it. He's been around the game as a player and a coach for so so long, and he respects the staff here, and he gets the fact that if we rush them back, it may not work or it probably won't work. So, you know, an ACL is between six and two six months and two years. So, and there's pretty much a lot of hoops that they have to jump through to get the tick to play. So we're pretty good with our sponsorship from, as I said, Ricky Stewart to to jump through those hoops. But going off to what we first said about Haji, he's flying. You know, he's been really pleased with him. But he's so professional anyway, so he's an easy... Mm. Rehabber.
1: Easy to work with.
3: Absolutely. How do you
1: time the return? You know, in rugby league, the massive cliche is we've got to worry about ourselves. But you probably going to look over your shoulder when other clubs are coming back, whether it's, you know, the Dragons are coming back in late October, so maybe we should come back in October. So no one gets the edge. How do you time the return? Well,
3: that, that's a good point. We, we kind of, it's kind of like that competitive thing as well. So that happens. You know, we always want to know what the others are doing in regards to volume. And, and again, it's all Chinese whispers. You know, but the, the same thing, we're actually not very protective of because, again, I'll go back to what I said a couple of minutes ago the older you get, the less insecure you get. Yeah. So you realise there's actually not, real, not many secrets. But yeah, you like to know what others are doing. But again, we're pretty confident in what, you know, our timeframes and all that. You know, they've got to get eight weeks off. And that's just, you know, I, when I, oh, I go back to when I worked in soccer and that was sometimes 21 days off between seasons and they're straight into it. You know, again, they get a lot of money, but it's all relative. You talked
2: about uh, starting your career at the Western Reds. Um, tell us a little bit about the path that you've taken to get here because it involves several continents, several codes, several different sports. Tell us a bit about um, how you how you went from the Reds to the Raiders.
3: Mate, it's amazing. I, you know, again, I'm getting to that age where you start to look back more and it's been a fantastic and I feel very honoured to have the career I've had and hopefully I'll have it for a few more years still going. But what I've tried to do, I, te- I tend to like those jobs or those gigs that seem a little bit vulnerable in regards to you know they've had some tough times um i still get off on that sort of situation so yeah that's taken them all over the world and one in particular we mentioned russia russia was one of those situations and I still have a very fond um, association with the Russian Rugby Union and, you know, it's a fledgling program now and I just thought, well, I'll take it out because the language barrier alone. It was just something I probably needed in my career to take myself out of, you know, these perfect worlds where you've got big budgets and you've got all sorts of technology and staff and all that and, you know, the, the language barrier alone. So I've, I've, I've probably went, probably a good thing for my coaching, really, going there, but I've had, yeah, again, I've been lucky enough to work in probably three sports, spent a lot of time in Europe uh, and each, Each each job or each club or sport taught me some different things. Well,
2: good luck keeping the the team on the field for the rest of the season. We hope to see, obviously, the injury list uh, shortened every week and looking forward to seeing Josh back later in the year. We'll let you get back into it. I know you've got a lot of uh, work to do ahead of the game this weekend, so we'll uh, leave it there. And uh, thanks for coming in and talking to us.
3: Thank you, guys. I've enjoyed it.
1: Thanks, Nigel. During last week, the National Rugby League Chief Executive Todd Greenberg came down to visit Raiders HQ and Benny Pollock caught up with him.
2: Well, Todd Greenberg, thanks for joining us on the Behind the Limelight podcast. You've been down here for a couple of days now. What have you made of the club so far?
0: Well, we've had an opportunity to sit with the board for a couple of hours, um, the players in today in their recovery session and uh, staff uh, and importantly the footy department, the coach. So. Yeah, you know, this is a proud club. It's a professional club. Uh, it's well led. People like the CEO Don Ferner and Ricky Stewart are passionate rugby league people. They've also got a very strong interest in the region. So, um, you know, we've had a very strong relationship with this club for a long period of time, and. You know, some um, some disappointing uh, losses to start the season, but we're pretty confident seeing what we're seeing here, that you're in for a good year. What was the feedback like
2: from the Raiders
0: board and, and staff um, around the way that they're working with the game to ensure
2: the best outcome for this region?
0: Yeah, it was a really good discussion, a very open and honest discussion. Uh, we talked a lot about the new digital strategy of the game and the importance for the game and the club here and the Raiders have their own voice. Um, you know, and we talked a lot about, uh, some of the challenges the game's facing, whether it's di- different demographics, the participation challenges the game's faced with, or the, the changes of the way the broadcasting will work. So, it was a good, open, honest discussion, and, you know, there's some very experienced people here at this club, some board members and staff who've been here a long time, so, a visit like us, like this, is as important for us to listen as it is to share information, and so we do a lot of listening to.
2: And what's the feedback been like? I mean, you talk about participation and the Raiders, I suppose, are a little bit unique in the fact that they fund the CRL down here and look after participation. Um, How have you found that model?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a very traditional model where, you know, the importance of grassroots participation and feeding that through to the elite level is a foundation. It's a pillar of why this club has been successful over a long period of time. And those 5,000 kids, you know, we've got... Strong endeavours to grow that number with Canberra, um, and to grow that number of kids, whether they're boys and girls, whether they're playing touch or tag or traditional forms of rugby league. um, Our ability is to have a game that's very inclusive, and it's an easy word to say, but it's a more difficult thing to demonstrate. So, you know, this is a club that has a very similar mantra to grow participation at the base. So, you know, we're very aligned in our views there. He had a good chat
2: with the football staff, including the coach, Ricky Stewart. Um, he was vocal on some of the interpretations in
0: the opening rounds. How were the discussions with Ricky and his staff? They were really good discussions. Um, you know, Ricky and I have been mates for a long time. We go a long way back um, over a period of time. And, you know, I've got enormous respect for Ricky. Um, I love his passion and and I'm always encouraging people to speak their views uh, whilst also having a, a broader protection of the game. So we had a good discussion with Coachy, his football staff about Uh, the challenges, whether it's match officials, whether it's judiciary, whether it's scheduling. Um, And it's really important that we get around the club so we can have these discussions directly with football departments. So I found them very constructive and there'll be some things that will follow up.
2: Had a chance also to talk to the players about things like the CBA and their involvement in the game. Uh, How were those discussions?
0: Yeah, I thought the session we had with the players here in Canberra was outstanding. Some really good questions and, you know, there is a desire from players to be partners with the game, uh, which gives me uh, enormous comfort um, and creates some real positivity for us to grow the sport. We know that to grow the sport, to achieve our best, players need to be very aligned. So we talked a lot about partnership and, and their role, not just what they do on the field, but how they carry themselves off it.
2: You had the opportunity to attend a game last night uh, here in Canberra.
0: Uh, what did you make of the Raiders game day experience? Well, I actually did spend a bit of time outside on the concourse um, prior to arriving. I was given a an insight that there's a lot of effort expended by the staff here at the Raiders on the game day experience. So, you know, whether it was kids' bands playing out the front or some sponsor activations, I thought that was fantastic. The weather was great here in Canberra for a game. and uh, It was free to air, which is fantastic for the sport and fantastic for the club. Um, you know, and I enjoyed the Viking club I've always enjoyed that. I enjoyed that here during some final series games as well. So, you know, this is a very passionate group of rugby league players. This is a rugby league part of the community, and we're very conscious of that.
2: If you had a message for Raiders members and supporters uh, down this way, uh, what would that message be? Uh,
0: it's pretty simple, I think. Keep believing in the club and keep supporting the game and keep finding ways to support it through positivity and get out to a game, get behind the, the Raiders and show your colours proudly and bring new people with you because this is a club that's trying really hard, it's well-led, it's well-governed and they've got a very uh, strong support base for us. the
1: On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage.
4: Toots, how are you? Good, Nick. How you doing, mate? Toots, how did that name come about? Who uh, nicknamed you Toots? My mum, obviously, when I was a little baby. Um, apparently, I didn't like to get my Tootsies washed, which are my <laughs> feet. That's all it is, mate, so it's simple and it's been with me since, since then.
1: How did the World of Rugby League get hold of
4: that? Um, that's always well known as Toots, not Jason, so um, <laughs> I don't mind that.
1: We've uh, been responsible for nicknaming Gerald Croker. He's now your Toots senior, he's Toots junior.
4: Yeah, no, I'll take that, mate. So he's a good lad, Jared. So, um, yeah, no, he's a good kid. and um, he des- He's deserving to have that, so he's he's, um, he's doing well, and um, he's going to break all the records here, I think.
1: Yeah, we saw that yesterday. I think your top point scorer with the tries currently at the moment, I think, uh, obviously, with his goal kicking, surely he'll probably take over that mantelpiece, but what a good guy to take over.
4: Yeah, mate, he's um, certainly doing well, and what, what's the pleasure is he's, he's a down-to-earth lad.
1: Absolutely, mate. Uh, let's get into it. 1989, you come to the club, signed from Crookwall. Being a young cro- Crookwell lad, was it always an aspiration to come and play for the Raiders being in that group, or was it just you were just hoping to get signed up from a Sydney team in the Winfield Cup?
4: No, well, I obviously come from Crookwell, and the team I, I followed was Canberra, and there was a few blokes, Ashley Gilbert, mm. played for the Raiders, and um, obviously wanted to follow in his sort of footsteps, and it was close to home, and I'm... A, uh, yeah, I used to travel back and forth to Canberra from Crookle, So um, we'd done some miles and yeah, um, loved it.
1: How did that come about? Was it a Tim Sheens thing or was it the, how no, did the offer to come to Canberra will come about?
4: Um, I was playing Howard Matthews, under 15s, so many years ago. 30 odd years ago, a long time ago. But uh, yeah, so and I think Sheens was at one of the games and obviously next thing you know, I was playing, I moved over from Crookle to Canberra when I was a, when I was a kid. And um, at the good old Taj Mahal, Taj Mahal, I I lasted two weeks there, and I remember going into Colette Street there, where the Raiders headquarters were in Queenie, and I I was shaking and pretty much stirred up because I was homesick. And as a kid, yeah, you you miss your parents and 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 the family life. And I remember bumping into Ricky Stewart there one day, and he said, "Mate, come back when you're ready." Wow. Yeah. So, and I went home the next day.
1: Wow. So, how how did you kind of? broach the the coaches about that
4: mate they were fine with it so yeah so I just but then I just kept traveling back and forth so um yeah so that's how it was and the coaches were fine with it
1: I saw that Taj Mahal mate it was pretty small
4: mate there was about (laughs) 13 bedrooms in there just a big sort of formal area and a kitchen and six showers so it was a it was a rough setup.
1: But you still, so basically you're still playing for the Raiders at that junior level, but you were just travelling back yeah, and traveling
4: forth Yeah, travelling back and forth, yeah. So I had some good help when I was a kid, so people drive me around. Um, So I couldn't have done it without them.
1: So 1990, you actually made the, you got to the point where you were comfortable leaving home and you came here and you lived here permanently. Yeah. Invol- were you involved in the President's Cup Grand Final in 1990?
4: In not yet, so... Against yeah, St George? That's right, yeah. So we had three grades in the uh, the final there. Minor
1: premiers in all three grades, mind you.
4: So it was a pretty good effort, and so I played on the wing in 21s, and then then I sat on the bench for reserve grade, and then I sat on the bench for first grade, so I got all three medals, which was uh, pretty special. Yeah, so I done well there. All three medals? Yeah, so...
1: That was the game, I think, uh, in that same team, David Boyle played in there, Brett Mullins. That's right. 91, you make your first grade debut.
4: Yeah, that's right, so um, it just escalated pretty quickly, so... Thankfully, uh, Sheen's had faith in me and um, gave me a chance and uh, yeah, I managed, managed to rack up a few games. What,
1: who was that against in 91?
4: I think it was against the Gold Coast. So it was up there. Um, I don't remember too much of it, but I was on the wing. Um, I made 21 tackles and wingers don't do that. So Sheen said, mate, just stay on your wing and don't chase too hard.
1: Look, you played plenty of uh, rep footy as a junior. What was the transition like when you ran out against the big boys for the first time? Can you remember the pre-game, the nerves, and then actually running out there, taking a hit up and getting tackled by one of the first graders? Can you remember what was going through in your mind, whether, geez, this is going to be hard or, wow, I think I can stay
4: here? Um, yeah, but I was nervous as all, as all hell, you know. So, um, But obviously, the sooner you get your hands on the ball and do so, uh, make a tackle, whatever the sort of the nerves go, so that's what I wanted to do, get involved early, and, and that's what I did.
1: Yourself as a player, you found yourself holding down that wing position, of course, being around uh, that utility role as well, but 93, mate. You make your State of
4: Origin debut. Yeah, geez. Well, obviously, playing outside Mal made my job a lot easier. So he'd attract three or four defenders and just slip you the ball and away you're going. Um, yeah, but 93, he played in the Origin. I think it was up at uh, Suncorp there, or the old Lang Park. And I was playing against Mal. <laughs> I think I got on for the last five minutes. And
1: What was that like? You're only a couple of years into top grade. And to run out at Suncorp Stadium at Origin level, I mean, you've got... It would have been such an overwhelming going to camp on day one, putting on the tracksuit. Yeah, day like two, but to run out, like
4: what can you remember? What was going through your mind? Not much. Mate. I was like, I was nervous, and I just sat on the bench for pretty much the whole duration of the game. And they ended up giving me a run for probably about the last ten minutes. So we got beat, um, but that was just something you'll never forget. Back in the old Lane Park days, where the old cans were getting thrown on, and you'd, wow. you used to drive the bus through Caxton Street and all the um, Queensland supporters there pushing the bus and shaking the bars, throwing stuff at it. So that was certainly um, yeah, something I'll never forget.
1: 93, of course, you would have gone up a level playing Origin. You would have gone back to the Canberra ranks with an extra extra set of legs, with your confidence to football.
4: Yeah, feeling good about yourself, and that's what it does, um, rep for you. It makes you. Yeah, it makes you go to the next level, and you bring it back to the club, and hopefully you can f- perform better for your club and the players around you hopefully can lift as well. And, um, yeah, know, I, I just, obviously getting back, because I, I, I trained, done a fair few weights when I was a kid. Like under th- when I was 13, I was just in the gym because there was nothing to do in crookles, So yeah. I was running around, the, running around the ovals, the streets, and one of my mates owned a pub there, Graham Bush. He said, mate, what are you doing playing footy? There's no career in footy for you, but you should go... B- because I've got four brothers and three of them are shearers. So he said, yeah. mate, you should go shearing because you'll make more money there. So um, that was a good bit of advice from Bushy.
1: There's always that rumour, and I want to I wanna dispel it with you now, that the Canberra Times did a story on you, and you were standing yourself up on the goalpost horizontally. Yeah. Could you do that?
4: I could do that, yeah. I used to climb up the goalpost right up to the top and do it on top of the goalpost. So wow. I don't know why I did that. So that's not a very – that's an occupational – Safety Hasn't happened. You could have
1: ended up in a circus, mate, with that kind of strength. To its 94, wow, what a year. That was the the utility tag really started to be run home with you that year. Uh, Your play, you move into the forwards, uh, obviously in the centres a fair bit. You know, you you kind of move away from that wing position. The Raiders put on that run. Laurie Daly goes down, uh, does a knee. Tim Sheens puts you to to 5'8 there with Ricky Stewart. Nothing changed. Obviously, Ricky helped you out a lot there, guided the boys around, and gave you kind of a basic role to do. Yeah, but you're flying into the top, the top four. What was that like playing at six?
4: Yeah, so my role was because I'm back row, sort of like uh, second row and six. Um, all, all I had to do was just catch a ball and pass it, give it to Mal and all the other guys, and just we all knew the plays, and because we were just a tight knit uh, bunch of blokes, and we all got on so well and.
1: Something like that, if someone said to you, you're going to play 5-8 with a team with Ricky Stewart, Mal Meninga, Bradley Clyde, Steve Walters, a team full of internationals, you'd be crapping
4: yourself. Yeah, definitely. I was telling Mal what to do. What a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, Running um, around the boys. Yeah, yeah come but around the, me, Mal.
1: But was it great to know you had blokes like Ricky that could see what was going on and made that job so much easier for you? Yeah, he
4: was, he was just guiding the boys around the park and I just had to get in position and just catch a ball and just, just do what we had to do.
1: Laurie comes back, uh, go straight back into six, you go back to the back row. People complain about, I mean, it's not a complaint, but you can see the Bondi footballer doesn't, they don't like being moved around too much, they like having their position. And without embarrassing again to it's you could go into a position and not just do a job, you could play a game in that role like you're a 100-game veteran. You move back into the, the back row for the finals. And you just carved up those teams. I remember you barged through North Sydney in the grand final. You had a spectacular game. Yeah. What What was your mindset like? Was it like, okay, I'm playing number 11 today. I'm playing number four. I'm playing the, in, at lock. And you would just kind of assign yourself accordingly. What was it that you could just adapt to that position so well?
4: Mate, um, mate I have been really good in there. I just love playing. I just love the contact and just getting in there. And you didn't ever think it? No. Nah, I just, my approach to footy is pretty simple. I just get in there and. Know what you've got to do and do it as best as you can do.
1: Can't forget, though, 93, you're a gladiator. A
4: gladiator. And i
1: sorry I'm always bringing this up in front I <laughs> always bring this up around people. But I, for me personally, I just think it's unbelievable. I, I grew, grew up watching Gladiator yeah, and these guys were so intimidating and they just kind of thought you know, they were very sure of themselves. And I remember it like it was yesterday. On a Saturday night, they had an NRL player being yourself, an AFL guy representing the two cross-code yeah. competition, and you schooled them. They yeah. had they had no chance against you.
4: Yeah, I remember this pretty clearly. There's was the thing called the gauntlet, um, and it was a, all there was a, all the codes. So I was AFL cricket and uh, rugby. So, um, yeah, so I was lined up for the gauntlet, and I, I mate, I, I, there was, I think there was four of them in there, four or five of them in there. Over the gauntlet was about twenty meters long, or maybe a bit longer. Well, I had my neck brace, or mouth guard, and headgear on, and mate, I just charged the. I knocked the first two over, and I ended up getting a pretty good time. But the 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 guy that come after me is uh, a rugby dude. I think it was Brett Stevens. I, th- I think that's what his name was. But he he absolutely got smashed because they didn't. Yeah, because I was ready for him, but they weren't ready for me. So which is yeah. good that I went first. So I um
1: yeah. Did you approach it like your football? Because that that really strong Jason Craig offend. You were fending those blokes off. Too yeah. Like, so lies.
4: yeah, you got you gotta you gotta beat them at all costs. And I, I did. I managed to do okay there
1: we fast forward to an era where you would have saw this happen. You know, you you and the likes of Ruben, Wiki, Luke DeVico, Statue were there and starting to see some of the older guys go. Ricky and Bradley moved on by then. Steve Walters had moved on. And then a year where Mullows, Fernsey and Laurie moved on. How was that for you, knowing that you were part of this real strong era for these internationals, full of success, and then you were now to a situation where... The club's going through a whole new rebrand, a whole new roster.
4: Yeah, so it was obviously tough seeing your best mates leave, but that's what sport does, Um, and all good things come to an end. But, yeah, certainly disappointed to see them all go. But, um, obviously, BC and Rick went to the Bulldogs, and Hmm. uh, Mullows went over to the UK with Fernsey and that. So, yeah, so I was disappointed. But in saying that, well, you can only do what you do, and you can look after yourself. And, mate, I was was never going to leave Canberra anyway, so...
1: What was it back then with the group? You talked, we talked to any old X Raiders, first grader, and they said, There's something about this place. We're just so close. I mean, it is a small town. There was plenty of time for you guys to hang out, but you could just lift with each other. Really lift and put it on. And there was yeah, a you you walk out of there thinking, Gee, that was a great day.
4: Yeah, you, mate, you just didn't want to let your mate down. That's that's as simple as that. And um, if you can do that, then you're going to win the majority of your games. 2000
1: is a long time coming, but you get uh, a call up in the Australian side.
4: Uh, yeah, played all the games over there except the uh, the last two, which is a bit disappointing, the, the semi and the final. But, um, but I enjoyed that. It was, yeah, something that you dream of as a kid. Um, but you never think about it. It's going to happen to you, so I um, loved it. 2001, play Origin again. Yeah, so I got back into there. So was just, my Origin career was spread out. So I won game at 93, then three at 96, and then obviously won it. Uh, 2001.
1: So um. there was a game against the Roosters, a team that were grand finalists, a team that were up there in the top three or four. Brad fitler Luke Rickardson, star started lineup yeah. playing against a Canberra team on the way up on the rebuild. 22-10 at half time. Everyone busted. Kenny Nagus gone to hospital. Ruben wicki gone to hospital. Yeah, soft. Everyone was out. <laughs> you ruptured your ACL. Was it Mao saying you're staying or was it you putting your hand up and saying... Oh, I'm no, not
4: I knew that we were light on, a play- light on with uh, numbers and that. So, um, yes, yeah, so I, I remember making a... Ta- yeah, so I got tackled. I got hit a bit high. And, um, yeah, so yes, yeah, so I got up and played the ball. And I thought, oh, geez, my left ankle's crook. And my knee was a little bit sore, but my left, uh, left ankle was, like, giving me a bit of trouble. So the trainer came on, yeah, and just strapped my left ankle up. I was just hobbling around and... Um, kept looking to the sideline, the bench, there's no one on the bench so I said, Oh, well I've got to tough this out and which we did and um we ended up getting back into the game and we ended, and up, winning. We ended up winning that. So then that was uh, a special day there and, and I went to rehab the next morning and my knee was so sore I was swollen and all that and they done all the knee tests and they said oh you've ruptured your A C L Wow. So I think so. Is that the season? Yeah that's yeah it was over and out, yeah over and done with.
1: That was two thousand and one. Of course Mao moved on another Another end of an era for Canberra Raiders. Mal moves on. Matty Elliott comes in. You're involved in that, uh, that year of 2003. Move back there to 5'8 with McLinden there. Ruben yeah. Wiki was still at the club germ there at nine. Shafosky there.
4: That was a great year, was Yeah, the, so we, yeah, 2000, so we weren't far off making the finals or the, you know, having a really successful season that year and weren't far off, uh, yeah, the grand final there. So, so, um, it was a pretty good,
1: those te- those Raiders teams of the of those early thousands were always touted during the
4: off season as wooden spooners.
1: Did you guys bond together and just go look? Let's show them who the spoon who the spooners are.
4: Yeah, mate, it, 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 that's what media does. That they, they uh, obviously they've got to give someone that tag, and, and we wore it for a while. And um, but mate, you just got to just show them what you're all about. Because he's yeah. always up there. Yeah, And he's right. made the
1: finals a lot of those times.
4: Mm, that's right. And must have that, felt good. Yeah. Yeah, dish it back to him. It's was
1: 2006. You decided to call it quits?
4: Yeah, so I had another year left in my contract, so I, was, I could have played another year when Fernsey came over.
1: 318 games for the Um The most capped first grader. But it must feel good to know that you're this really p- proud club of rich history to know that, you're, that you've played the most games.
4: Yes, yeah, mm. yeah. So but that's something I'm proud of. And... Um, It'll stand for a little bit longer, and um, like I say, uh, when Toots gets it, hopefully he does, because we uh, all respect him, and he's he's a good leader, and um, I just hope for the boys can sort of get back on the winning, uh, yeah, on the winning side of things. Winning trail. Yeah, that's right.
1: Cool. Let's do now the Forever Green set of six.
4: All right, first question. What do you do for work now, Toots? Well, I run a recruitment company uh, called In Place, so we do, uh, yeah, Supply labor, yeah, workers to, uh, yeah, construction. You got that cafe still around the corner. Yeah, we got the cafe there, Cray. so uh, it's a coffee guru up there, so if you're ever in the uh, neighborhood, pop in for a coffee.
1: I'm sure we'll do that for sure. Yeah. Favourite memory as a Raider, Toots?
4: Um, making my debut and obviously the 94 grand final.
1: What did it mean to you to wear the Raiders jersey?
4: Made everything for me because coming from where I come from and coming from the bush and playing for Canberra Raiders was just a dream come true for me, so I just... Yeah, loved it.
1: Who was your favourite teammate?
4: Uh, I've, yeah, I've got a couple of good mates, so Mullows and uh, Fernsey, so I can't spittle.
1: What about you know, towards the back end of your career in those later eras?
4: Uh, yeah, so towards the back end, then obviously the Germ and Davico and, uh, yeah, and Joe Smith when he was here, which, he he is a champion fellow.
1: Legend. Do you still keep in touch with me the, of your former teammates?
4: Uh, yeah, just those those are the guys that I just sort of touched on, yeah. So, um, but it's always good to catch up with old old teammates, and when you catch up with them, it's just like you've never left them. Like it was
1: yesterday. Yeah. yeah exactly. Everyone says that. Yeah. All the all all the ex Raiders yeah. boys say that.
4: Yeah, it's just yeah, mate, It just seems like yesterday, like you said. It's
1: beautiful. Funniest moment is Raider? Any stories that you can dig up for us? That's G Raiders? Yeah,
4: no, it's, there's some yeah that yeah no I um. Uh, no, not. There's a few stories to go about, but I can't remember too much of them. I'm, I'm not much of a storyteller,
1: mate. Toots, you did a lot for the jersey. What's your advice for the current day raiders?
4: Man, just enjoy it. Uh, yeah, love what you do, and um, just enjoy playing for the, for that for that jersey, um, which I did, and go there, rip in, and and rip in on the field.
1: It goes so quick, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, it flies. Yeah.
1: Jason Toots Croker, thanks for coming in, mate.
4: Thanks, Nick. Good man. Tell-